0: The Keyboard Chronicles is proudly supported by Elk Electronic in Australia. Elk Electronic provides high quality service and repair of synthesizers and keyboards and also aims to encourage community interaction and learning through meetups and workshops. Find us on Facebook and Instagram or check out elkelectronic.com.au for more about us. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Hi and welcome to this bonus episode of the Keyboard Chronicles a podcast for keyboard players of the geeking variety great to have you here and again a huge shout out to all of you as our Patreon supporters um, for your ongoing support and we love being able to bring this extra content to you um, if you've had a chance to and how are you Paul sorry I haven't acknowledged your presence how are you Paul? Mm-hmm.
1: My presence needs no acknowledgement, but I'm going great. Thank you, David.
0: <laughs> no, always good to have you here. So Paul and I, if you've managed to um, check out episode 42, spent some quality time with Jim Danica uh, from Nashville in the US. And this bonus episode is some extra content where we talk to Jim more in depth about his development of the backstage pass series of uh, software plugins, samples um, that he's developed and, um, I, I, it's safe to say that I'm about to, when I finish this in the next few hours, log off and, and pull the trigger on that backstage pass for myself. I've been sold. Um, so, yeah, we, we hope you enjoy this. Jim does have some fascinating insights on just what is involved in, in doing this sort of work. Uh, and we hope you enjoy it. So, Jim, really keen to talk, uh, uh, as we discussed in the ma- the main episode, you, you've had a hell of a career in in music, but um, you've turned what I'm assuming was initially a sideline into an amazing uh, business uh, as far as selling uh, plugins or main stage sounds, or, um, and I believe expanding beyond main. So just tell us about, firstly, what started you on that route to developing your own um, work in that area.
2: Okay. So the, the short version is that, For years, I would have other keyboard players ask me, "Have you ever considered selling your sounds that you've created? Uh, Especially the stuff that I did with Michael W. Smith. Um, You know, in in the the stuff that Michael does, the modern worship slash Christian pop stuff, uh, especially the live albums. There's a lot of pads and textures on that stuff, and it's just sounds I've you know that I've really enjoyed creating. I'm never one who's content with factory sounds. I, I always you know, if I find something I like, I feel like I can always make it better. I can make it bigger or wider or whatever. So I had a lot of guys ask if I would do that. And the answer was always, no, I don't, I don't have the time and I don't have the platform. And, um, so there was always a reason not to, well, in, let's see, 2019, I think it was, uh, I found out that Michael's tour calendar was empty for a couple months and, and Uh, I'm, I've never been on salary. I I just get paid by the show. And so, you know, that's always a bit of a challenge at times. And, um, that particular year along that same time, when I was trying to figure out how am I going to pay the bills for a couple months, I started, uh, reading that, that major artists were using Mainstage a lot and exclusively, um, in their touring systems, Toto and uh, David Rosenthal with Billy Joel, they had these big elaborate main stage rigs and I had always done everything in Logic, I'm, I've used Logic for 30 years. And I even use it uh, live on, on tour with Smitty to run, uh, you know, all our stems and click tracks and Simpty for video and all that kind of thing. And I also used it for my sounds. The problem is when you start and stop Logic, it, it would cut your sounds off. And so um, I would use Contact running standalone alongside Logic. But when I saw that all these other artists were using Mainstage, I thought, you know, maybe maybe Mainstage has matured and maybe that would be a way that I could finally put out some kind of sample pack or whatever. And um, at the same time, I saw that there were two or three companies uh, who were doing just that. They were releasing uh, content for Mainstage. So it felt like the time was right. And I did a little research that summer And I started putting out some feelers on Facebook, uh, you know, some Facebook groups for main stage. And I thought, let me, let me get a read on, on if this would even be worthwhile. Mm. And I think because of my tenure with, with Michael, um, that certainly helped. And um, so I decided I'm going to really give this a shot. So I spent about three months, summer of 2019, and I built this thing called backstage pass. And it's a, it's both a product and the, the umbrella name of everything that I do now. So it's, it's all called the, the Backstage Pass family of products. But Backstage Pass itself was the very first release. And it, it's basically a virtual keyboard rig for main stage that comprises, um, really it's the meat and potatoes stuff. It's a handful of really good acoustic pianos, electric pianos, a Hammond b 3 uh, and about 40 really good pads and soundscapes. And um, all wrapped in a, in a really pretty GUI that gives you on-screen control of everything. But the thing that really set it apart from other products like that was that I designed uh, an iPad interface for it using TouchOSC. And what that lets you do is it lets you craft your sounds in real time while you're playing. So for me, I use an iPad as part of my keyboard rig. And um, it, it's it's just a way to like, okay, well, what if I... I want to dial in just a little bit more reverb on this piano while I'm playing. I can do that. Hmm. So it, it, it's just a unique way of of addressing, you know, or, or how do I say it? It's a way of giving everybody else the keyboard rig that I've used for several years and it works for me. And I thought, well, let me make it general enough that anybody can use. And uh, so that was the beginning of it that came out in September, 2019. And um, the funny thing is I thought, boy, this has to sell 30 copies or I can't pay my bills this month. <laughs> and thankfully it sold 75 copies the first day. And, and oh, wow. uh, so I thought, all right, well, there's enough here. to this probably is, is worth pursuing. And um, it's, it's still a side thing or I'm trying to keep it a side thing, but it, it man, it, it's really, it's a tough balancing act because it, it's an extraordinary amount of work to just to put out one release and then you got to support it and you got to build a website and you got to do the e-commerce stuff and you got to do demos and videos and it, it's never ending. And so um, I put out the first expansion for it a few months later, which is just a, a digital, excuse me, um, a dedicated piano. A friend of mine in Nashville has a, a Yamaha Midi Grand and he sampled it and it, it's, it's one of the best sampled pianos I've ever heard. And so we put that out. But my real passion was the 80s sounds, Uh, all that iconic stuff from really from the DX7. So I spent about a year developing one called DX Dreams and uh, I produced it. We were talking in the the main interview about how a DX7 by itself really sounds pretty, pretty awful. Mm -hmm. But when you produce it the way that you did in the 80s with, you know, AMS reverb and lexicon reverb and, uh, a Roland Dimension D, and then you stack a bunch of them. That's where those sounds came from. And um, so I thought, you know, okay, Arturia's got a DX7 plug-in. There's, there's Dext, which is a really good uh, DX7 plug But they're just giving you a virtual single DX7. That's still not that interesting to me. To me, what makes it work is stacking, you know, eight of them or 12 of them detuning them and panning them apart that's what you did with a you know a, a yamaha tx816 rack and so i found a tx816 and a dx5 and a lot of those sounds are 12 layers uh, you know and they're just big and epic uh which no single dx7 could ever do so put that out and that one's done really well everybody's after me to when are you going to do a contact version because it's all you know right now it's exclusive to main stage and logic yep. so that's that's the next step is getting it all into contact. And how hard
0: so, is that, Jim? As far as getting a contact version, I assume that's quite a, a process.
2: It's it's a bear. Yeah. Um. Doing the actual initial conversion is easy. I, that's all done actually. But the I actually for a long time I said I would never do it because I'm a stickler for quality and I'm I'm never going to put something out unless it sounds exactly and plays exactly like the real thing. And so it's. It definitely is obsessive, <laughs> but um, that's the only way to, to do it, I think. And so, mm. because of the fact that every sampler sounds different, you know, Contact has its own filter models. They sound different than the filters that are in Logic and, and Mainstage. So, I just decided early on, I'm not going to do it. If you want these sounds, you got to get Mainstage or, or Logic. However, um, a couple months back, I started doing some experiments to see okay, well, how close can I get this? Because I'm cutting out a huge market by not having it in contact. And so I I got it far enough along to where I realized, okay, I can, I can do this, but it's just a massive amount of work because you do the initial conversion and then you have to go in and, you know, with DX seven sounds, there's, there's a thing about the, the release on a DX seven sound. There's always a, a little weird behavior that happens where, you know, in a traditional synth, it's like the filter closes down a little bit. So you have to go in and program all that for every right. single patch. And it's, yeah, it's a huge amount of work. So I'm slowly making progress in, in that. Um, but the other factor is realizing it's not, you know, the contact version is not going to have the big elaborate GUI like Mainstage. There's just no way to duplicate that. Nah. So at the very least, I think what I'm going to do is, the contact version will, the raw sounds will all be there, but you know, you're going to be missing the experience of the, the touchscreen controls that you have with main stage. Um, Excuse me. So it'll sell, it'll be cheaper, you know, because it's it, the raw sounds will be there and it'll sound great and it'll sound pretty much exactly the same as, as the, the native main stage version. But um, there's some things I'm going to do to try and, get it as close as I can. Like one of them is I've taken custom reverb impulses of the AMS reverb. And that's a big component of those sounds. And thankfully those impulses work in contact as well as Logic. And I've already tested it. So they sound identical, which is great. Um, but you know, it's just, uh, it's a matter of what trade-offs you can make um, to get it in that, that format. The main thing is just time. It just takes a lot of time, so.
1: Yeah, look, it, it's obviously it's not without complexity, Jim. And, and I'm really curious about when you got started. You know, you, you said you did a bit of quick market research via Facebook yeah. and sequestered a whole heap of time, months to get up to speed. Was the learning curve hard just to, just to get into this to a point where you could be confident you'd be able to produce quality?
2: No, it, it wasn't hard. Um, it, I mean, just learning main stage and, and how the layout works. But really, that was... Uh, I tested it enough on my own before I ever got serious about it to figure out if I could do it. And um, once I figured that out, the rest was just uh, (laughs) what I did is I actually bought some of the commercial templates that are out there that from these two or three companies are, they do it really well. And I kind of just reverse engineered them. I just to get some ideas. I didn't want to do what they were doing. Um, in fact, I wanted to go in a completely different direction, but it, it just to learn how main stage works, I had to buy something, you know, that was complex and go into layout mode and figure out, well, what are they doing and how, how does all this work? Cause main stage is not, it's not very intuitive at first. Um, so I, I did have to learn that, but it didn't take long. I mean, it really over the course of two or three weeks, probably, uh, just figuring out how to get everything graphically the way I wanted, because yeah. um, I'm pushing it. I think, in fact, Apple reached out and asked if they could, you know, have some copies for their test stand for developing main stage, you know, and, and um, they actually bought a, a copy, which was nice, but they told me that I was doing things with it that they never intended, you know, yeah. <laughs> working with imported graphics and stuff like that and really trying to build something that looked pro you know and looked really good and and like a commercial product and um so thankfully you know it it worked you know and the the thing is i'm big on testing it you know it again it's basically my personal rig that i've adapted for other people so i wanted to make sure first and foremost for me is is this going to work in a Hmm. in a uh mission critical situation is it going to work on tour for me because I, you know we're doing some big shows sometimes and I, it needed to be solid and one of the biggest selling points i think is that number one it's there's no third-party plugins involved so you don't have to worry about any authorization there's no i lock it's yep. easy and um you're never gonna have to worry about oh i used a uh, this Roland cloud plugin today. so And today it's decided it needs to log in and unauthorize itself. That's never going to be an issue.
1: Yeah.
2: Another thing that's big with it is efficiency. Um, a lot of these sounds, you know, th- there's eight layers or more, but the logic sampler is so efficient that uh, number one, it loads instantly. It streams from disc really, really well. And I have yet in, in, four or five years of using Mainstage, I've never once had a CPU issue. Um, most of the time and my show computer at this point is a 2014. So it's seven years old hmm. and it still runs flawlessly. I, I mean, it, the CPU will get up maybe around 30% on some of the bigger patches, but that's it. So it's, you know, people always ask, is it, you know, is it stable? Can you use it in a live situation? And I'm like, man, it, it, it runs great. As long as you're keeping your expectations in check, I would never use a like eight instances of Omnisphere on a live machine just that's asking for trouble. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people do it, but then they wonder why they have dropouts or, you know, or CPU spikes, you just have to keep your expectations in line but but if you're just using stock logic or main stage plugins, it's absolutely brilliant. So, um, right
0: yeah that's excellent and and without getting into numbers but just more your market jimmy you're finding you're getting a lot of buyers of these from older musicians like those on this call um who who are wanting to recreate some great sounds from the 80s versus you know maybe new people or younger people looking to use older sounds to do new things
2: i think it's probably the former and not the latter um and i'll say i mean it's it's again it's still a very side thing for me this is not exploded by any means um however i i am i am wrestling with the dilemma of it taking so much of my time you know like last year it was ironic i i've got this killer studio that i love and i'm surrounded by by gear but i wasn't able to do hardly any music of my own last year because i've spent all my time on developing backstage pass so I've been trying to figure out how can I get this into bigger hands that can help me get it in front of more people? Because, you know, until you figure out how to crack the code and go viral, which I haven't done, I don't know how to do that. (laughs) Um, it's, it's in the small hundreds. I mean, it's, it's, my user base is maybe 400 people or so, uh, in terms of, you know, people that are aware of it as far as I know. But, um, I'm trying to figure out the next step but to, to get it to go bigger. Um, but in order to do that, I've got to have help. And so um, I'm working on that. There's some things in motion I can't talk about yet. But all that to say, I do get a lot of people our age, I think, that that they, they see the the video for DX Streams, the one that's all the 80s songs cut together. And that blows people's minds, because when I tell them that was all done with these sounds, a lot of them right away, they just click by because they're like, "Man, I want these sounds." If for no other reason than the nostalgia factor and being able to play the songs as you heard them on the radio, and certainly, I think a lot of cover bands and and wedding bands and stuff like that, it's big for them. Um, as I don't know what the numbers are, I don't know. You know, no, there's a lot okay. of younger guys though that that love it too because they, you know gosh, the vintage synth market is huge. And and some of these younger guys, God bless them. They, they'll go out and spend, they think they have to have a real Juno 106. And I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> the plugins, <laughs> I hate to say it, and it's going to split people, but I mean, I've had all that stuff. And some of the better plugin companies now, it, they've absolutely nailed it. I mean, Softube, their Juno 106 and their Mini Moog and uh, Roland, the Roland Cloud stuff, it is absolutely spot on. The trouble is a lot of that stuff is what I was saying earlier. It's, it uses a lot of CPU and, and some mm. of that kind of thing, but um, these younger guys, you know, they're, they're all obsessed with vintage synths right now. And so the problem is you, it's extremely expensive. Um, I saw yesterday, somebody listed a Yamaha DX one for a hundred thousand dollars on Reverb, oh. <laughs> And I'm like, guys. It, I mean, yes, there was only 140 of them made, but at the end of the day, it's really just two DX7s in a box. <laughs> it's not worth $100,000. And um, but anyway, you know, I've been able to to have a lot of this stuff, and I've sampled a lot of it to death in extreme detail. So I think what makes this work is I can give guys access to sounds that they wouldn't have otherwise, like you know, all the stacks of DX7s and and all that kind of thing. Um, so it's it's a nice alternative.
1: Oh, that's great, and viewers, I mean, viewers, viewers, listeners, please check out the video that Jim has referenced. The DX Dreams uh, video it is cool, as really cool. Yes, we'll be linking to that for sure. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah. If you love eighties, you will be blown away by it. It's so nice. And yeah, and speaking of the eighties,
0: I mean, it, I, I noticed um, Cindy Lauper this morning tweeted uh, on the fact that "Girls Just Want to Have Fun" uh, blew over a billion views on YouTube in the last wow. few days a and it just shows a, a million of, a billion yeah oh my gosh yeah wow <laughs> so, I have a, uh,
2: a girl who, uh, m- a partner with from time to time on doing cover songs for licensing and we did uh, time after time last year and uh, it was a blast we kind of did like a just an in-studio more of an acoustic version and mm-hmm. but with some orchestral stuff it was fun
0: great song. Yeah. there's still so much interest out there both from younger and older people and so probably the last question jim about backstage passes and you've already alluded to the fact of how much work it is and also you 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 may have some plans that you can't talk about but you know just broadly what is next for this you know keeping it a sideline and and further expansions to it i'm assuming
2: yeah that i can tell you sure um i've got at least four more products in the pipeline that are definite um I'm not 100% on the names yet. One of them's tentatively called Prophetic Dreams, which is based on the Prophet 5. Um, I'm taking a different approach with that one where, you know, the Prophet 5 is also mono. It's, you know, mm-hmm. it was very primitive like the DX7. So what I'm doing with that one is I'm double tracking it. Every sound I take, I'm doing two passes, panning them apart and I'm twisting that vintage knob a little bit so that it's like basically a stereo Prophet 5 or a Prophet 10. Um, It just sounds massive and these big pads and organic sounds. So there's going to be an expansion that's based just on that. Um, But it's probably going to include other profit models. Like I've got a profit rev two, which um, has a really unique sound. And then the the pro, I don't know if you can see it, the pro three behind me, which came out last year, that thing is a monster. So all things profit, that's going to be another one. There's one called, uh, JX Dreams, which is based on all the Roland analog stuff. So those are the three big main. Well, three of the four. Oberheim would probably be the fourth. All those big flavors of the '80s, but certainly kind of what I did with DX Dreams, all the the big radio sounds that we remember, but also um, new sounds that nobody's heard. I'm, I'm big on pads and textures and, and animated stuff. So um, whatever that one's called, something to do with Roland um let's see what else uh let's see prophetic dreams jx dreams um shoot I just oh drum machine all the iconic drum machine sounds of the 80s same thing so when I'm done with all this you'll basically have all the tools to recreate any sound from the 80s Um, and then a fourth aspect is a library of impulse samples from the the RMS reverb um, somehow I stumbled on a way to capture that box to a degree where you can't tell which is which. And that's really hard to do. But I think, uh, because that reverb did not have modulation in, in the tail, like a lexicon does, it's a, it's an easier one to capture. And so that one is all just reverb samples that you can plug it into, um, you know, Logic's Space Designer or any impulse response reverb like waves or um, contact. So those are at least the next four. Um, I'm not sure which order they're going to come out. but yeah. man, Pretty there's, there's damn impressive
0: for a sideline. Yeah.
2: Oh, and the, the VFX, <laughs> that one just came out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the best of VFX. Uh, there's going to be more from that one because that, that was a smaller one. There was only 20 core sounds in that one. Um, but there's a lot more material to come from that one. That's a really unique sounding synth, and uh, so yeah,
0: great stuff. Yeah. Uh, Jim, thank you for talking through that. And I, I know a lot of people that do use your products, and I haven't pulled the trigger myself yet, but uh, I feel like today might be the day after yeah. this
1: chat. You will, <laughs> well, you'll buy it for sure. Yeah, I will,
0: yeah. um, Have so no, I really appreciate Yeah. Really appreciate you taking the time, and I, I think what people appreciate with with backstage pass too is that you know when they are seeking support or whatever they are dealing with you directly, and I understand that has its challenges to say yeah. the least. But um, yeah, know, it, it really is a great approach. Very
2: cool. Yeah, what I can tell you about that, you know, in terms of what I can't really talk about yet, I am in the process of. It, I've been looking for a partnership for a while, like a, a bigger company that can take over those aspects that are too too much for me. And once they do, uh, I have landed on a company and and I think it's going to be a great partnership. They're going to take over support, which is a huge load off because so much of the time I get the proverbial, hey, I just bought my first Mac. Now, what do I do? And Mm. I'm like, those are the, I can't do that. I I don't Mm. have the time to handhold, but you know what? I think one of the things that has helped it to grow to even where it is now is, I've always taken the time. I, I've Facetime with people. I'll call them, and I think that blows people away. Like, oh wow, this this guy really cares, and that's that's a big deal. Mm. But there's a point at which you just can't do that for everybody. It it just it eats you alive, and I would never get anything else done.
1: Yeah, nah, so it's not um, a good use I'm of your time. For,
2: well, and and you know what, I still will do it as often as I can because I think it's important. I think Spectrasonics grew to to where they are because Eric Persing is he's a big hearted guy and he's he to this day he's still from time to time you see him on on forums and stuff and and um he's had a great attitude and I think that's that's a big reason for why spectrosonics has grown and and you know while I don't want this to be my main reason for being on earth it's uh it would be foolish to not give it everything I've got you know and and I, I believe in it I think there's there's obviously a market for it. Uh, I just don't have what it takes to, to get it out to the wider world. And so that's what I think this company is going to be able to help me do and ultimately do a better job at creating great content in the first place. Hmm. And because uh, right now it's I'm averaging one release a year and that's I got to I got to ramp that up. You know, it's it's uh, and I think that's what's going to help me do that.
0: You have mentioned Attitude, Jim, and I think you've got it in spades as well. I think you're going to have great success with that. So, yeah, I really appreciate you um, talking with us about this as well. Sure. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you so you. much.
1: Again, enjoyed that a lot, Paul. Yeah, that was great. Uh, Jim is obviously a, a really generous guy with his time and his thoughts, and it's exciting to see what he's working on and, you know, you get the feeling if you, if you play in an 80s cover band or, or something similar and, and you're comfortable using Mainstage or even if you're prepared to learn it, seems like a really good option to me. It is. And look, uh, I mean, I've used Mainstage for a number of years and even I've always felt a little bit
0: antsy just being in a covers band about reliability and I have had the odd issue, but I've actually got one of the new M1 chip um, MacBooks and now I think, you know, and particularly with Jim's product that I'm about to buy today, I, I, I'm going to take a serious look at going, if not software only, predominantly software and still maybe having a hardware keyboard as a backup. But um, it's certainly yeah. a, lot, a solid rig. Yeah,
1: I think from a reliability point of view, you know, he was pretty overt about saying he's, he's absolutely considered that in, in the sense of the way he's put it together. And yeah, you know, it's a similar concept to what he uses to run those giant shows um, that, you know that he that he does in his other day job, so I, I think I, I think that that would be something that you wouldn't need to worry about too much. No, so that's
0: exactly. Cool. Yeah, if he's doing it on a 2014
1: computer you yeah, know, exactly. in front of
0: 100,000 people, I'm sure I can cope in front of 80 people. Yeah, that's right. you, know, you get
1: you get that many to your gigs. Oh,
0: well done. <laughs> oh, you you're to, being you modest. Have, you
1: have to teach me the secret. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're funny. All right, so uh, yeah, thanks everyone again. Thank you to you as our patrons. Uh, really really appreciate it and um, we look forward to having more bonus content for you very soon see you soon